is this in your will or is this something that I need to happen for me to feel like this whole thing's working? So it often feels like my holy yes blending with God's holy plan. You are in for a treat. This is definitely one of the most powerful podcast episodes I have ever had on my podcast. And my life has been completely changed because of this conversation. And that's just one of the experiences I've had with Victoria Washington. It's, it feels like every time I step into her world, my life has changed. And I'm very excited for you to have this same experience. Victoria Washington is a multiple seven-figure entrepreneur. She is a leader, a business mogul in the world of empowering women to embody wealth and co-create the life that they want with God. I cannot come up with the words to describe the power and the value that is in this episode that you are about to listen to. So you are going to discover that for yourself. I invite you to be a sponge to listen from deep curiosity because there is so much to learn here. And this is the type of episode where you listen to it once and you'll realize that there's 10 layers that are deeper and then you'll listen to it again and you'll hear a whole new thing. And it is just such a powerful conversation. I'm so excited for the difference this episode is about to make in your life thanks to Victoria. So without further ado, I introduce to you Victoria Washington. Welcome, Victoria. I am so excited and grateful to have you on the podcast. You're such an amazing, beautiful stand for the liberation of humanity around wealth and embodiment and transformation and alignment and surrendering to God and creating beauty with your life. And I think that your story so far, this story that your life has been so far has been such an amazing adventure mm -hmm. and you've been through mm -hmm. so much and everyone listening in is, is going to get to experience that journey. But I really want to ask you, where did this journey begin for you? I know that that question is a little broad, but when I ask that, what comes up, where did this journey really start for you of impacting lives and creating what you are creating? I love that. I immediately get brought back to being 18 and telling my mother that I was going to move to India and I was going to change the world. And at the time I was very into yoga and was following a yoga path and thought that I was going to be like a celebrity yoga teacher wow. <laughs> in this life. And that was a big dream. And I had told her that I, she always would respond God bless her. We talk about this today, but she would respond with, you know, you, you can't just like make money and do what you love. It's like, you got to choose, you got to go stable. And, and she was saying that coming from decades of corporate and really being the only, the first person in her family to stabilize a corporate career. And it just grinded my gears. It, it almost revved my engine. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And I'll show you that you can make a ton of money being a yoga teacher and changing the world. So I immediately get brought back to that version of myself who just very much so believed that there had to be a way that you could love what you do and be wealthy. There just had to be. And it started then in her challenging that. And I tell her to this day, thank you for being who you are and 
showing me exactly what was alive within me at that time of my life. And she never really argued back with me. She just held her stand and knew I was holding my stand and told me, you know, go wherever you desire to go. I support you. Wow. That's beautiful. What a gift. And, And where did that lead you? How did that evolve into business for you at the beginning? That evolved into business because my dad on the other end was an entrepreneur. So my parents who are separated, they just lived separate lives. They had different values, different ways of living. So my dad was always evidence and my mother was always the one who believed in miracles, but took a path that I knew I would never take. And so what I discovered after working through many different corporate jobs is in the realm of corporate America, it's much more rare to love what you do and make a ton of money. I do not think it's impossible. I see people do it all the time, but in my experience, I I bumped up a couple edges that gave me the feedback of, I'm really not meant to work in this environment. And I just knew that I wanted to create something that was not mine, but ours. I knew I wanted to create something that represented something for the world and that I wanted to be the leader of that. And so it translated into entrepreneurship, I believe, because my dad was the only example that I really had of somebody not going the corporate path and selling and doing things the way that he wants to do them. And you met my dad, so you can see he's like such a total entrepreneur never going to work under anyone for a second. And I'm really grateful for his stand because it showed me an example of how I could do that in my own way. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And um, entrepreneurship is really an evolution and people are seeing you right now, especially people who are just learning about who you are. Um, They're like, okay, Victoria has this multi seven figure business. She's impacting all these lives. Has it always been that way? Have you always had like a knack in a money magnet from the beginning or has it been uh, a journey and adventure? Have you experienced hardships, challenges? Oh yeah. It's been a journey of a lifetime. And I would say that I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I had no idea the adventure that it came with. And I really had no idea what type of leadership and resilience that would call me into. So I very bravely left my corporate job and sold all my things, moved to San Diego, like did the big leap that I think every entrepreneur can remember the moment that they make. And um, I'll be honest, I fell flat on my face and I filed bankruptcy within a year. And that moment represented a huge choice point in my life. And represented all of the endings and all the heartbreak and all of the, the damsel and distress identity that I was so used to operating within. So even though I had this powerful vision and I wanted to do all these big things, I thought the only way to get there is to do it this hard, desperate, like grinding way. And my nervous system was so used to functioning under that much drama and distress that it almost killed me and it emptied me completely. And I had to make a choice from that moment of how do I really want to do this thing? And what is the standard that I want to set for my life? And what's the example that I want to be for me and for the humans who are going to join me in this mission? And so bankruptcy truly represented a financial masterpiece and it represented 
one of the most important decisions I ever made for not my life, but also my finances and who I was going to be on the other side of it. So that felt like a, like a ceremony in some ways where I said goodbye to, I call her the bag lady. Cause I used to walk around with all these bags, like tons <laughs> of bags as a yoga teacher. And then even as a beginner entrepreneur and those bags represented just the weight I thought I had to bear in order to be worthy of this big mountain or big triumph that I wanted to have. Mm-hmm. And then after I found bankruptcy 12 months later, we had our first six figure year, which blew my mind. And then two years later, we're celebrating six figure months. And I remember sitting in this hotel room, just crying my eyes out. I'm on an Instagram live celebrating with my community. And I'm like, why am I doing this right now? But it was (laughs) such a moment that I wanted them to see, because I said, you guys, I'm finally seeing that I don't have to justify this celebration. Like I don't have to do all these things to justify how hard it was for me to get here and make it more worthy for it to be celebrated. Mm -hmm. And that was such a full circle moment after filing bankruptcy, because as I cut that cord, I really cut the cord of struggle. Like you have to struggle in order to justify everything else that you really desire. So that ended up being a huge choice point for me. Mm. And when you were in that moment, because my, my hope and my prayer is that there's somebody listening to this that is looking their money shit in the face, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm sure in that moment, it was deeply terrifying for you. And there are so many people that have really intense fears around money. They feel like where they want to go is so far away And Mm -hmm. even like, can I even do this? What did it take for you to move through that? And and what would you say to the people who are in that experience in this moment? Mm. I just wrote a letter to that version of myself and it, the words that come through, I'm a Ben Howard fan. If there's any Ben Howard fans, he has a song called depth over distance. And in those moments where life brings you to your knees, it's depth over distance. So not focusing on how far you're going to go or where you're going to go or creating to get out or to get further, but really being in the receivership of right now and receiving this moment as more than enough and receiving it as a steady ground for you to stand on for the next climb and for the next part of the journey. So I remember when I filed bankruptcy, I didn't focus a lot on creating more money. I focused on deepening my understanding of why I got to this place in the beginning, in the first place Mm -hmm. and what my relationship with money was going to look like moving forward. So I had no idea how long that was going to take or the distance I was going to have to go. I just committed to deepening the receivership of the lesson that was in the room with me right now. And it shaped me. I just got goosebumps for everything that was going to come after. So if you are in any sort of situation where, and you know what I'm talking about, where life is just, you're on your knees and you are wondering, where do I go from here? Don't go anywhere. Be here right now and go deeper into what is in the room with you. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Wow. Oh, wow. That's powerful. That's really powerful. And you, you bring such an important point forward, which is like the lesson 
I feel mm-hmm. like so many people stay stuck because they're running from the lesson. And I feel like in those moments, like God is trying to, to humble them. What's the lesson that you needed to learn? I know that this might be a bit vulnerable, but I know that you're an open book. What's mm-hmm. the lesson you needed to learn in that moment that, that mm-hmm. in order to move through that? Or maybe there were a few. This is, yeah, there's a lot of lessons. And I love how you framed that because sometimes we are resentful of the lesson. And we're like, why do I have to learn that lesson? Fuck that lesson. And we do run from it. And so I will say I had that moment. And I thought me filing bankruptcy, at first it did feel more like an F you of just, you know, forget about it. Like this is, this is it. But the lesson was me really looking at how much I valued myself. I remember sitting in the courtroom and asking myself, how did I get here? Like, how am I sitting in a courtroom right now at the age of, I think I was 29 at the time, wasn't even 30. Mm-hmm. And, and you see that, like, there's still that shame of like, I was filing bankruptcy before I was 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, how did I get here? What happened? And it was, there was so much shame and so much of my unworthiness that had revealed itself in that moment of, I did not value myself. I didn't value myself. I didn't value my relationship with money. I didn't value the, the things that I was bringing to life. I was out of integrity in a lot of areas of my life. And I was at the courthouse alone. So it showed me how available I was to exchanging with anything. I was mm-hmm. not an intimate relationship with life at the time. My heart was in a really dark space and um, my, it felt like my past had just run right into me and was finally like, look, if you're going to go do all those big things, you've got the voice, you've got the look, you've got the, the IP, you have the, the grit, the courage, the commitment, you have all that naturally. But what I didn't have naturally was the love for myself. And that felt like small rocks compared to like getting on a stage and speaking to thousands of people. But in that moment, loving myself was scarier than this big leap. Like that wasn't the big, scary thing. The big, scary thing was looking myself in the eye and saying, I love you and I value you and I stand for you first. So it was about money, but it really wasn't about money at all. Mm. And how slash when did God come into the picture around this? What was your relationship with God through this? That's such a good question because I, I really believe that God came into the mix, came, just came in and remixed the whole thing right around that time. Remix. <laughs> God's listening like, um, been here the whole time, but yeah. <laughs> um, and, but I, I was afraid to use the word God. So I was in the yeah. spiritual community and I was very afraid to use the word God. I was using universe and spirit and source and all these different things. So I wasn't explicitly like, like truly vocal about my relationship with God. But I'll tell you what, when you're on the couch, I was staying on a friend's couch, Tiffany's couch. Mm-hmm. And I used to put in Abraham Hicks every morning, just so I wouldn't cry as I opened my eyes. I'm like, let me just listen to Abraham say, this is going to be a very good day. And I'm like, mm-hmm. It's could be great. Oh. <laughs> and I was really uh, in a state of prayer all of the time because there was no, I didn't even know what to ask for at that point. I didn't know what to create. So it was me and God and me 
recognizing that I am so deliciously provided for. Like I needed to feel that and no amount of client payments or anything was going to give me that sensation than the creator himself holding me in that moment. And it's still one of the most tender chapters that I, I had never shared publicly. Now I'm much more public about it, but back then I was still in a spiritual closet with God praying. Mm. So you, you felt like in the most challenging moment or one of the most challenging moments in times of your life that you were caught. Mm-hmm. What was that? Was it a moment of peace? Was it a moment of recognition? Was it a knowing? The first chapters of my relationship with God felt more like I would only go when I really was in this dark, hard space. Mm-hmm. So I associated God a lot of times with hard times. Mm-hmm. And the primary function that I thought God had in my life was to bring me up and out of those moments, which really didn't allow the relationship with God to blossom into all the beauty that I experience now. Because today I really experience God when I see a hummingbird or when I'm sitting there doing nothing. And I think that is what's so beautiful is when you can feel God all around you in every single moment, not just as this like dictator that you have to go to when life gets really hard and you know, so I, I spent a lot of time massaging that old archaic belief and redefining what it meant to live in union with God at all times. And then it switched from me living to being lived through and everything became this beautiful lesson, this beautiful landscape, a story, a poem, a writing, just everything became texture to mold and bring something bigger to the world versus I'm this singular person having this hard time, help me energy. So that's Mm. what the shift was. So you really transformed into a vessel, into an Mm -hmm. instrument. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people have the judgment and preconceived notion around to become a CEO, a high level CEO means more control. And you have embodied surrender so beautifully in your evolution. So I'd love to ask you, what is what role has surrender had in your evolution in becoming the person, the woman that you are today? If everything, because surrender really represents partnership, participation with God. So I just read this today, control versus participation. And it, that encapsulates surrender. Um, Participating with something so much bigger than you allows you to move like God has instilled trust in you. So I always remind myself, walk like God trusts you to take the vessel where it's meant to go. And that is becoming the artist, the, the, the quantum artist and God is the realm. And I look at the CEO seat as more of like, you're the creative executive. You're going to want to create all different kinds of things, but there's a partnership with God as you do that. And you're surrendering your desires and your plan to God's plan. And something really delicious happens in that. Yes, it can be scary, but there's this moment of it's, it's always better. Like even when I think about what I thought we could do in the last three years, 
it's, it's always better and it's not perfect. I'm not always surrendered. Don't get me wrong. If you ask Q, he's like, she's never surrendered. <laughs> there's certain chapters of your life, like rooms in your life where you're more surrendered than sure. others. Like relationship for me, I have to truly be in a bigger practice of surrender. Whereas in my company, because it's just, you know, when you're just in partnership with God yourself, it's a little bit easier. So I really encourage anyone listening, a simple practice you can do to start to embrace more surrender is something one of my favorite pastors talks about, Sarah Jakes Roberts, is qualifying your desires with God. And oftentimes you'll find that you're asking for 40% of what you kind of want versus 100% of what you really desire. And then as you qualify it with God, you're going to be shown something so much better. It's almost like the, this or something better mantra. Mm -hmm. And then you're playing in a whole different landscape. So I think when we can lean into surrender, we're really offering ourselves up as bigger participants of life and all the twists and turns. I love that. When you say qualifying your desires to God, what does that, what does that really mean? Qualifying? What does that look like or sound like when you're doing that or when somebody's doing it, that? Yeah. It's, it feels like, is this in your will or is this something that I need to happen for me to feel like this whole thing's working? Mm -hmm. Like, is this, is, is this in your will? So it often feels like my holy yes, blending with God's holy plan. Like when those two can be in partnership, smooth, but when I need it to be a certain way to, you know, prove something, I'm not actually working with God's will. I'm working with my own limited perception of what I think I need. Okay, that's clear. And it's clear to me that one of your greatest gifts is being a vessel and an instrument and getting out of the way. What practices do you have in your life or what practices or what things do you set up in your environment to support you in staying out of the way so God can work through you? This year, my mantra is I am rested and rich and really taking time rest, which doesn't always mean being horizontal or just laying there, but finding moments of nothing where I can become so bored that the voice of God is in my ear so loud. But when I'm so busy and so in the you know how it feels when you're on a roll and you're creating and you're like, you're doing the thing and you definitely feel in harmony, but you can't quite hear the, the sound, the rhythm of, of life moving through you. So for me, I've taken a lot of intentional space, whether that be one day a week or like right now I'm in Laguna, just here, just wanting to be in a different environment where I can listen more clearly. And that having that committed time is me raising my hand to be moved versus being the one that's always moving. And that shift has allowed my nervous system to continue expanding in a way that doesn't take me out, but mm -hmm. puts me in a lot more frequently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what would you recommend yeah. or suggest for um, the person who they have a lot of obligation around them? They have a lot calling for their attention, whether it's kids, you know, five kids, you know, they, they have a dream yeah. to build a business. They have kids, they have conflict that they're navigating. They feel like there's a lot happening. 
what do you suggest when it comes to finding that, that stability and really taking care of your energy when it feels like there's just so much coming at you? Support, support. And everybody's going to tell you it's too much. And you, the societal pressure of having to be the one to do it all is so large and so big, louder than God sometimes. But support, there's somebody who would love to join you, who would love to support you, who would love to you know, pick up a couple hours here and there to support any part of your life that you're ready to delegate. And I think that that's part of our own self-leadership is looking at where we can create a symphony of leadership around us, especially if you're here to live a high-powered life, if you're here to impact lots of people, if you're here to do big things, you're going to need support. And I have a, I have a home team. I have a whole, whole, you know, business team. And I never once ever thought I'd be able to afford that or even be able to consider that. But one thing I have found is my brain thinks that everything's a million dollars, but it's actually really great. It's like, it's actually not that much. So I thought like a cleaning lady was going to put me in the negative and I'm like, actually, the amount of time I get back and how much she loves it and the connection we have, it's like, it's an investment versus this purchase. And if we only look at everything through a purchase, we look at things through the negative, but if we look at it as an investment and how many hours we're going to get back and how that compounds over time and it supports our expansion, you move differently with it. So I really encourage anybody who's feeling that to get support and at least start the research of what that investment will look like. And you'd be surprised how it really is manageable. And there's people who would love to work with you in that way. And what's been most helpful for you internally when you're, if you have moments of scarcity, like you mentioned, where it's like, oh my gosh, your, your ego or your brain goes to like, oh, it's going to be a million dollars. If I get a cleaning lady, it's going to send me into debt. Like what have been the most helpful tools to, to like move through that conversation or even like resources that you have in your life or certain levels of mm -hmm. support? Well, one thing I teach inside the house of we, that's the money membership is truly knowing why money's in your life and not looking at money as only cash because again cash takes us straight into spending it feels like this thing that's always going out versus truly understanding why is money in my life so i always come back to that even this hotel i convinced myself that i can't come to this hotel and i was like I, you know, I should be doing this, I should be doing this with it. I mean, you would think that I don't make any money in my business, the conversation I was having about this hotel, which is a small percentage, of <laughs> but it just happens no matter how much money you make or cash you have, there's just these moments. And so I came back to my why, why am I in relationship with money to live, to experience, to be in partnership. I love hiring people. I love when people are in their dream jobs. I want to be the type of person that's surrounded by experiences. That's why I'm in a relationship with money. Okay. And you'll start to feel the, the energy shift around it. And that might not mean you can make a decision that day, but if you can hold that energy for longer periods of time, the way that you relate to money and exchange with it will increase exponentially. And then the partnerships you form from that or the support that you bring in, it's going to feel so clean and easy versus got to pay this person every day. And it's, they better do perfect because this is really costing me something, which isn't adding to the economy. So I like to think about how I can add a positive force 
to the economy and how I can really change one person's life by paying them or by exchanging with them from that place. I love that. It's rooted in contribution. What I feel like you're communicating is like a certain level of money consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I'm clear that our consciousness does influence our results. And there's a certain level of consciousness that the entrepreneur that's making five figures a year, six figures a year, seven figures, eight figures, there are different levels of consciousness or approaches. Um, What do you feel like is different in your consciousness right now versus let's say when you were creating six figures a year in your business? I love this question. This is one of the most important questions because that's what people are really asking when they're like, how do you make more? They're asking, what's the the shift in the way you even think about money? So when I was making six figures, the conversation was much more around increase. How do I continue to increase profit, increase the people coming in? It was all increase, increase, increase. And that was great because we grew, but at seven figures, I'm not so focused on increase. Of course, I'm available for that. And I love to see the numbers grow, but I'm really looking more deeply into the art of the number and the deeper story that the number is saying is telling. And it's not always going to be straight up. And if it's just straight up, then I'm not actually edging myself on in different ways. I'm not actually trying on anything new. So in seven figures, I've been taking a lot more risks playing outside of the lines a lot more because I'm not afraid of losing it as much as I was when I was in the six figure conversation mm-hmm. because in six figures, it's, it's a huge triumphant win. But the first question, most of my clients who hit six figures the first time is how do I do that again? And how do I not lose it? And how do I keep it? How do I keep this thing going? And then when you go into seven figures, you're more in the energy of retainment and it's sustained so you can take more risks and you're starting to think bigger around how money is being circulated in your life and how every exchange really has this deeper meaning. So it's a lot more fun and fluid for me. Um, I am up against a new edge in my own life right now. I'll be honest with you. And now playing in multiple seven figures, eight figures, I'm really seeing how billionaires look at money way different than it's not money. It, it really is this consciousness. It's, it's this expression. So now I'm, I'm feeling this new edge of it's not money, it's wealth. How am I expressing wealth as a human being right now? And how am I building my life from that place? Um, whereas six figures was more about cash. It was just, it was really just a, a huge win to have, have that much access to that much money. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I love that question because it, it really exposes what I would invite anybody making six figures to focus on and just know is available is eventually you're not going to feel so much pressure to increase it. You're not mm-hmm. going to feel so much pressure to keep it. And as that pressure is relieved, you're going to be able to look at your money from this much more fluid space. And you're going to have so much fun. And that is when like the real game begins. Mm. And you share a lot about leaning into your edge. And mm-hmm. I, that has made such a difference for me hearing you speak about that. It's like finding your edge, leaning into your edge. Where did you learn that from and or discover that? And what has been the value for you leaning into discovering, finding, moving beyond your own edges in your life? 
I don't know where I specifically learned it from, but that yeah. term came when I was changing my name and I was in my own self-leadership of nobody's going to tell me to do this. I like, nobody's going to knock on my door and say, it's time to change your name and do a documentary. And it dawned on me that we can hire all the mentors and we can bring in a lot of powerful people to support us in our mindset, in the way that we live our lives. But at some point you have to edge yourself on because nobody knows where you've gone. Like even my mentor who I've worked for a year, even Q, even the people closest in my life, they don't know where I've gone on the nights where it's just me and my own consciousness, where it's just me and God. Nobody will ever know that 30 percent of the mountain that you walk just with yourself. So you've got to know how to edge yourself on and hear those calls that are asking you to broaden your capacity. And so I choose very specifically different situations to participate in that will kind of tease out a new identity and kind of tease out this new leading edge quality that nobody has but me and everybody has their own version of that. So I think when we learn how to edge ourselves on, we're really creating this unique art. Like nobody can do it like you're going to do it. Nobody can do it like I'm going to do it. Um, and that's what you do with yourself. It's like you become your own you become your own leader. You become your own mentor in those moments. And that's when the most exciting work is created. That's brilliant. And it sounds like these are environments. These are like challenges. And mm -hmm. I, I'm a big believer in the power of using your environment to launch you into your, you know, your next level. And I know that you've experienced that. I, um, yeah. I had a I, I, I've been thinking a lot about your journey and in preparation for this. And I remember sitting in, in, in breakthrough and seeing you where you were the, one of the first people to stand up mm. when the training started. And I was thinking in my head, I'm like, she's a badass. Like this is like, <laughs> she's like, what a leader, like, this is amazing. And, mm -hmm. um, you are creating an experience, an event, a community, a live event of your own to facilitate that evolution, that transformation, that growth, that expansion. I'm trying to look for the words, but it's it's beyond words. It's it's truly yeah. divine uh, expansion. Can you share a little bit with us about what called you to create Holy Yes and the invitation that you're creating for people within that opportunity? Hmm. There's just certain rooms that shift the trajectory. And I know that Holy Yes is one of those rooms for a lot of people. And I think back on my own life breakthrough, you know, where we met and the rooms that we shared, the moments we shared in those rooms, you know, it's like you don't walk out the same. And I don't know that a Zoom could ever do that. I don't know that something online could do that. I've definitely had some powerful breakthrough experiences and I've facilitated a ton. We all have had to for the last two years. Um, but our, our industry right now, I believe the coaching industry is ready for a new edge with God. And I know that there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are wanting to deepen their understanding of their God-given mission and have a financial breakthrough that allows all of them to fully unfold. And 
being in a room with other people who are doing that work as well is unmatched. I think of the most powerful shifts in my life and they all started, I can name them in my head, Gabby Bernstein, Auditorium, Guatemala, going to the jungle, breakthrough room, um, being face-to-face with myself, by myself at a a silent meditative experience, Um, looking at the ocean for the first time after this, like everything was in the environment of this is gonna change my life. So I think there's something so powerful and courageous to leave your comfort zone and decide to enter a room that will ask you, beg you to arrive in full trust and full courage and who you become in the process of saying holy yes in itself is what reveals the first breakthrough. And so I created it as a landing point that will transcend into a launching pad for any entrepreneur that is ready to blend two worlds that we've been told need to stay separate, God, business, and money, and access another layer of vitality that will prepare us for the next leg of the journey. Because for many of us, as much work as we've done and how much expansion we've done, this is just the beginning. And your energy is only gonna go so far. We need you vital, we need you prepared, We need you sharpened. We need you speaking more clearly. And we need you ready to be able to see the next peak. And to me, the best places to do those are in real life rooms that call you higher. Absolutely. And um, something that's alive for me is we will never actualize our potential if we're doing things to stay comfortable. Yep. And when we step outside of our comfort zone within those rooms, it's magic truly happens. Breakthrough truly Mm -hmm. happens. Transformation. And I have had, well, I would say one of the most powerful experiences of my, of my life was witnessing being at your, your event, your celebration of Mm -hmm. yeah, like I, it was beyond words and the, it's not just the celebration, I mean, that is beyond words, but it's also the type of people that show up in your space Mm. and they're angels on earth and they're givers and they're creators and they're, they're amazing. And, um, you really attract a very special, powerful, gifted, incredible, holy type of person. Mm -hmm. And, um, anybody who has the opportunity to be in the same room with you, no matter what that looks like, I, I, I'm like, do it. Like I highly encourage you. Like that celebration is is a celebration that people would pay to see, like Mm -hmm. to just see what we created in that room. And it ended up being such a medicinal experience. I think for everyone, we weren't really expecting it. And it's because I do believe that I welcome God into the room and there's this permission to have a deeper experience based on faith and miracles and, and magic and holiness. And I know there's so many people who want to be in a room like that, that want to feel the palpable love and the, the electricity. I remember us even talking about it a week after the event. And I talked to Q like all night. It was because it just rippled out. So, you know, with Holy Yes, it's one full day we're going to talk about it for the rest of our lives. Like those are the best rooms. So I love that reflection. And I really believe that um, 
when we allow God to be in the room, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, holy yes, if you want to go, it's it's July seventeenth, correct? Mm-hmm. And where, yep. where where can people sign up? They can sign up at wealthembodimentflow.com slash H-Y-L, Holy Yes Live. And we have two different ticket options. Um, your ticket comes with the whole event. And then we have an amazing gift bag and a whole breakthrough experience planned for you for the day. Ooh, amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And I highly encourage anybody who is here listening, like, Follow Victoria on Instagram, obsess over everything that she's doing, be a sponge and any opportunity that she shares, attend it because it's going to be a major upgrade in your reality. Victoria, I have one more question for you and you've been doing this pretty much your entire life, but if you had a moment in time where every soul on the planet that was ready and willing to hear your call your message from the deepest place of your soul, your message of truth, what would you say? Give from God and watch the world change. Beautiful. That's it. (laughs) It's that simple. simple. (laughs) I was going to say so much more, but I'm like, that encapsulates. (laughs) yeah well the energy said everything (laughs) i love it thank you so much for coming on the show this has been such a powerful experience and i know the people listening are are already impacted so powerfully and i'm really excited for everyone that's going to step into your world in a deeper way because of this so thank you thank you ryan i've loved this and i adore you and these are some of the best questions i hope that everybody gets value out of it i'm sure they will Mm -hmm. awesome Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Ryan Clark and Mindset Podcast. Wow, that was a really powerful episode. I was so moved as an interviewer. And again, this really was an honor to be a part of this and to share this conversation. If this conversation made a difference for you, please take a snapshot of your phone and share this episode on Instagram. Tag myself, tag Victoria. Her Instagram is at I am Victoria Washington. Mine is at Ryan Clark. And we, it would definitely make our day to see the impact that this episode is having on you. If you want to be notified with each and every episode that is released on this podcast, make sure you are subscribed. And if you would like to attend Holy Yes Live on July 17th, make sure you go to wealthembodimentflow.com slash H-Y-L. That's wealthembodimentflow.com slash H-Y-L. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and I will see you on the next episode.